Hey, welcome to the Bacash Podcast, where I'm out of practice at hitting the record button, because I hit the record button, then I hit the play button, then the recording stopped, so then I had to hit the record again, and everything appears to be going fine right now. My name is Don, and sitting across the table from me is Scott. Hi, how you doing? All right. So today... Yes. We are still in Deuteronomy, and yet not in Deuteronomy. Um, we are going to be talking about holidays um, and as we enter Deuteronomy 16... Merry Christmas, boys and girls. And happy 4th of July. Happy... Easter. Thanks, Easter giving. Thanks, We're talking Easter holidays. Giving. And so we are going it's to be... It's the war on Christmas. What no. does that look like? Do you like shoot <laughs> elves at each other or something? Uh, no, you shoot elves at Santa Claus. Oh, that's fair. That's okay. how that... Uh, uh, that'd, that'd be a pretty... I wonder if, if I'm short it, enough to fit in like a little like elf shooting gun. If you need someone to derail your podcast, <laughs> you can reach us at Bakesh. Oh man. See, at you don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sorry, we're doing a uh um kind of a not a series, but kind of a special series on holidays. And I'll let you continue your thought before <laughs> I went stupid on us. Um so the next section in oh the next section in Deuteronomy 16, um, we're going to be talking about holidays and, and probably one of the more important holidays um, that is discussed in the Old Testament many times. And really, as we've um, talked through Deuteronomy, we continually go back to the origin of where the Passover came from, um, and that is ultimately when God brought His people out of Egypt. And so we are going to be talking about not Christmas, not elf shooting. Thingies. The war on Christmas. The war on Christmas. We're going to be talking oh, about... For our international people, that's a stupid American thing. <laughs> you're not Christmas? missing much. Google it if you're bored. They, they, they got some Christmas all over the uh, world. Uh, the war on Fox <laughs> News is Christmas. Okay, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And so... And then Coke's Christmas. And what? Coke. 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 The, uh, the bears? Yeah. Polar bears? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do they still do that? Is it still like know. polar bear Coca-Cola? I have no clue. I, I Commercials? Who watches commercials? I, I mean, thank you, DVR. Yeah, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't have a DVR. I'm, I'm a streamer. So we went, we went on vacation, and like all of a sudden, there's commercials, and then my girls are like, "But I want that! I want that!" It's like Sarah and I are looking at each other. We're oh, like, you mean oh, like while you're on vacation? Yeah. You're like, oh, hey kids, we're getting ready. So watch, watch this for a minute. They're not mm-hmm. they're not watching commercials when they have like cable oh, at the little place we're at, and it's like, see PBS, man, they don't have commercials. <sighs> You gotta get a cat in the hat and uh, wild crats. And that, that's what we got Netflix. The, the, no, no commercials. We don't. Yeah. Okay, we really got off tangent there. Yeah. So, so pass, Passover. Passover. Wow. Um, so we are talking about Passover. Um, we will be talking about kind of where Passover came from. Um, kind of, uh, we'll see kind of where where the original command as it happens. Um, we'll kind of be looking about Passover throughout Scripture, um, and then. We'll be looking at kind of the the messianic Passover and future kind of side podcast if you're interested to see how Passover and the messianic Passover fixed, fits together. So if you're a regular regular listener, um, we'll have the normal, typical podcast that you can listen to along with this. If you don't normally listen, but you kind of stumbled across this because you're looking for Passover, um, this is kind of a companion, but also a standalone where we're, standalone where we're going to talk about Passover itself. Um, and then, like Scott was saying, we'll have another one about the messianic connections that you can download as well. 
And then we'll connect it back to Deuteronomy 16, which is part of the the longer study that, that we've kind of been doing throughout the past while. Yeah, so here we are to bombard you with information. Absolutely. All right. So what is Passover? We will be looking at Passover um, as it's seen in Exodus 12 and 13. Um, it's ultimately a, a festival that was established in Exodus 12 and 13. Um, it was meant to uh, commemorate the freeing of the Jews from Egyptian slavery um, and their establishment as a nation and as the people of God. Um, throughout history, uh, God's people, being the Jews, have celebrated this Passover or this festival. Um, ultimately, it's in obedience to, to God's command to remember and to teach their children about what God had done for them when he rescued them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Um, and so that's ultimately where we get Passover. Um, the context, so we're going to be looking at Exodus. Exodus 12 and 13 today, um, and, and we're going to, again, this is kind of our first festival type outside of our normal Deuteronomy discussion. It's kind of a, a discussion of, of what Passover looks like and then we, how we're going to fit it into Deuteronomy. So bear with us as we kind of figure out what that looks like and um, uh, kind of go from there. Yeah, so to give you a little bit of a, I guess, historical context of what's been going on, we have God's people... Uh, the Israelites, they're slaves in Egypt, and there's been a series of plagues going on. So there, you might have, you know, if you've been to Sunday school or you've seen the Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston or Prince of Egypt or whatever your Moses de Jour movie is, um, there's been, you know, water turning to blood. There's been hail starting fires. There's been locusts eating crops. There's been frogs everywhere frogs how's it say in the storybook bible here's frogs there frog everywhere frog frog does it really yeah i know it's like <laughs> maybe it wasn't that maybe it was a different bible it's like frogs in their soup frogs in their face frogs in their bowl that might be frogs it frogs in their but then it all comes back to yeah i think every story somehow they're like what, what is that the <laughs> every story whispers his name oh the never ending never breaking ne- unbreaking always yeah and, yeah <laughs> i should know that because i just read that to my youngest um so there's all these plagues going on because uh, Egypt is the pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, is refusing to let God's people go um, out of captivity, out of that slavery. So God is demonstrating his power over Egypt through these series of plagues. Um, we come to basically one last final plague, and this is where Passover kind of comes into play here. So, so far, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, interaction between God's people in the plagues, either they're immune from the plagues or they're part of it, but they've, you know, they're taking their own shelter or whatever happens to be, and then boom. And so chapter 11 um, is where God kind of explains if Pharaoh doesn't get his stuff together, um, here's what's going to happen with the firstborn. And chapter 12 and 13, we find out that Pharaoh is still saying no, um, and um, he's still saying no, and so now we actually see um, the last plague and or wonder that uh, is happening. A lot of times I know when, when you're in Sunday school, they always say they're plagues. And so when, when you kind of look, though, to the heart of it, they're ultimately wonders. Um, so, yes, they're a plague to Egypt, but they're also known as the Ten Wonders um, in, in Jewish tradition and in many Passover seders. And so the idea is seeing that, that they're signs to God's people that, that God is, is pulling for them to, to bring them out of Egypt. Um, so when we're looking at Passover kind of from this perspective, we're going to see it as this a sign or wonder that, that is going to show God's people that, that he's going to help get them out of Egypt. So, so with that, um, Exodus 12. Are you, are you reading straight up? I'll read straight up. Woo, buddy. All right. Go for it. So chapter 12 of Exodus, uh, verse 1 through 6. 
The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, or father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So, do you uh, get anything kind of for this section, or this is really hard to do without getting messianic, which I know <laughs> has to deal with the, the Messiah uh, being Jesus. So, trying to kind of skirt around that for the other podcast. Um, there might be spoilers. Right. <laughs> so this might be a, some spoiler alerts. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking through my notes here. So with... Yeah, you, you go okay. first while I rehash myself. So, so kind of with some of this, um, this is like real-time... This is like real-time stuff going on. So as the Jews are experiencing... Um, the actual Passover situation. God is at the very same time saying, here is a festival that you are going to continue to celebrate. Um, this is kind of the, the beginning, um, what it is to expect. Uh, Moses is ultimately a, to address the entire congregation. Um, basically, he says, here's some of the details and some of the organizing that needs to happen for the meal that, that, that will happen. Um, verse 5 kind of um, the, the Hebrew kind of reads like requirements, and, and so it kind of kind of a list of requirements. You got a lamb, you got a, a sound male, one year old, um, and they're supposed to, to slaughter it at twilight. Um, so the, this having it being slaughtered at twilight ultimately gives them time to prepare um, the meal um, as. Um, as it was asked to, or as they're going to go ahead and read through it, because uh, in real time that night, uh, that is when the the people are going to, the firstborn is going to be slaughtered throughout Egypt. So this gives them pretty much a day to go ahead and prepare for, um, put all the preparations together so that their firstborn isn't killed, but those that choose to not be obedient, being many in Egypt, um, will have experienced that. What's... Uh Interesting here is how long they're supposed to keep the uh, lamb with them. There's a there's this period of time, you know, they're supposed to keep it till the 14th day of this month, um, where it's quite literally supposed to live among them and their family. So it's almost like they're taking in a pet, uh, for la- for lack of a better term. And at that point, they're growing an attachment to it. Uh, they're taking care of it. They're feeding it, and they're getting to know it and getting to love it. And then they're going to slaughter it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a sig- this is what I mean. It's really hard to do without this messianic right. overtone. <laughs> um, but there really is a significance here where God is making sure that they feel the sacrifice. So this isn't just like a, hey, you want to save yourself from death, man? Go get a sheep, kill it, and put some blood on your doorpost. You know, there's like a real serious weightiness that comes into this. It, it's it's as if to say. God is serious about what's going on here, and we shouldn't make it a lighthearted situation. It shouldn't be. Um, there's a there's a somberness to it. There's a, a you know a sadness that's going to come, especially if you have a family with young kids that are really getting attached to it, or even as an adult, you're getting you know 
a real tight connection with this animal that's been living with you and you're like I said, you're kind of taking care of. And part of the insinuation here is there's the without blemish and without spot. You had to keep it that way. So if something happened, you had to take care of it in such a way that the lamb doesn't fall down and break its leg, that it doesn't hurt itself, that it gets scarred, um, that it wanders into, you know, bramble bushes or anything that could potentially cause the sheep to have blemish or spot on it or any kind of injury to it. So there's a lot of weightiness to taking care of this animal and then you had to sacrifice it and not you know Mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing it was not a flippant celebration Mm -hmm. and and i had this as lamb instructions and and so as we're thinking through that jesus becomes known as the passover lamb so it's kind of interesting to be begin to kind of think through that as as we read through um and, and see it as it's kind of laid out in Deuteronomy, but then later on, kind of how we can see Jesus as that mm-hmm. Passover lamb. And I think it's Paul who addresses or labels it, um, and I don't remember what Corinthian somewhere <laughs> in the New Testament where he's seen as the the Passover lamb. We really yeah, spells it out for them. So I think those are kind of the biggest... Um, once again, we see a lot of the community aspect here that if you've listened mm-hmm. to our podcast at all, we've talked about how important... Uh, the community itself is. Uh, I was uh, kind of funny thing. I was talking to my uh, one of my pastors this morning, one of the elders at our church, um, and we were talking about uh, kind of everything. But one of the things that came up is that the idea for a church to have small groups or community groups is an attempt to fix a problem uh, that the church faces, which is a lack of mm. community, uh, where we see it as a very, very important part of uh, Israel's history. Um, I was trying to find, did I read too far ahead about it being too small um, or too big or if you're not big enough for a goat to? No. So that's that's in this part where it talks about the families that are supposed to share the lamb. And if there's not enough, then. Um, yeah. So I went to it. I wanted more room. So I moved my Bible out of the way and I'm using digital. Oh, okay. So I'm like, I lost my spot. Yeah. So it says, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then take, uh, then he, did I have he, Verse 4 says, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and the nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for the lamb. Uh, So there is still that piece that we are one people, we provide for, we care for each other. Um, That's also woven into the the Passover. So there's still that aspect of uh, being one people that, Nowadays, like I said, we kind of miss or we, we've punted down the road a little bit and we've had to invent a system within our churches to kind of go back to the heart of that community. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and that's very much what Israel was supposed to be anyway. Um, if you were listening to the Deuteronomy podcast, I mean, you're, as a community, you take care of the poor. As a community, you participate in these festivals. As a community, and so family, community was a very important part of. Yeah, as a community, you were both um, considered righteous and potentially unrighteous, uh, depending on what was going on. So mm-hmm. if the community was in some grave sin, the whole community could end up paying the price for it. Right, absolutely. And if the community was worshiping God, the entire community would reap the blessings from it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, shoot. Back pain, just standing up here. Okay, he's like moving around, stretching, leaning over when he's talking. He's like, I, yeah, like in February, I moved an air conditioner, and now it's August, 
or when you hear it, it could be October. Um, I'm <laughs> <Or> still, <December. laughs> yeah, I'm still feeling the pain from that. So sorry if I distract. But go on. Oh, no. (laughs) So anyway, so the next section um, being verse 8 through 13, I have labeled as eat in haste. Uh, You you need to do 7. I lied. 7 through (laughs) 13. um, I have eat in haste. Um, And so ultimately, which actually I should have read 7 in that last section, um, but I'll I'll go ahead and throw it into that part, and then we'll we'll go from there. So 8 through 13, I have labeled eat in haste, um, and the idea is that this will hopefully be the last wonder that they experience um, before ultimately Pharaoh says, all right, fine, go ahead, get out of here, um, go worship your God. Uh, So as we read through, think through how some of these things might be um, a command or, or the reason that command was put there was because they have to leave quickly. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. We didn't read 11 to them, but um, I was trying to see if it sums it up here. It's been about three weeks since I've read this. Um, the last wonder is the angel of death coming to kill the firstborn, um, which is what Passover is. Uh, in essence, protecting Israel from is from that curse happening to them as a people. Uh, So what's basically going to happen is all of the firstborn in Egypt will die and Pharaoh is going to be livid uh, the next day. And so before he has a chance to make Israel the object of his anger, he's going to boot him out. And God's like, well, you don't have time to just, you know, uh, sit around. You gotta. You you can't be doing dishes in the morning. You've got to be ready to pack up and go. Right. So absolutely. And and I'll, I'll go ahead and actually read seven very quick because I think it really does continue on with the Passover lamb instructions. And you might see why it could begin to to point towards some messianic type things as well. Verse seven says, "Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the, the lintel of the houses in which they eat it." So we're still talking about the Passover lamb, um, and, and they're basically given this command uh, for them to put the the blood the blood um, of the on the two doorposts and the. Oh, sorry, I, I was looking the other direction. These aren't like the old mics. You got to speak into these. Right, I'm not doing. I'm not good at that. Um, so Israelite ritual says that basically the blood is served as a purifying element. Um, so blood was, was kind of seen as that purifying element. And the blood on the doorpost and the lintel can now be seen as purifying the doorway in preparation for the Lord's presence. Um, so really it's, it's a preparation. Um, later on, uh, we'll kind of talk about how that can really be seen as, as a protection element as well as they kind of prepare for. Um, so it's a purifying element. It's a protection element uh, as they talk about the importance of this this Passover lamb and its blood, uh, which, again, when we get into the messianic Passover part, you might be able to see kind of the connection between what what Jesus is trying to accomplish um, and and kind of the the heart of the Passover lamb here in um, Exodus. So eat in haste. Um, Chapter 12, verse 7 through 13. I'm sorry, 8 through 13. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. 
and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened and your sandals on your feet and your staff on in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So what are some haste things we saw there? Uh... Well, there's quite a bit, uh, you know, the manner, the, the way you're supposed to basically eat ready to leave, um, belt fast and sandals on your feet. Excuse me. <coughs> it's going to be one of those type of podcasts. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, staff in your hand. So basically your, your clothes are ready to go. You're, you know, tonight you're sleeping in your street clothes. You're not putting the j- pajamas on. You're not sleeping comfortably. You're, you're just ready to go once i kind of hinted at it before you're not doing dishes in the morning Mm -hmm. you know you got to be ready to go and uh you know get rid of everything so you can get out and they say uh, why why it's roasted so i guess one of the reasons uh, from what i read that it was roasted is it's kind of the cooking method um and was kind of a symbol of traveling because when there's no large pots available then then boiling is is the the best Mm -hmm. way or having it roasted is the best way to go ahead and and have that when you don't have when everything's packed ready to go and so you don't have time to do dishes yeah because you yeah you can roast over a fire with nothing Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's nowadays we have to have the fancy grill and the little right the spit and the roasting you know (laughs) it's gonna have the little cage you put it in and twirl it you Mm -hmm. know kind of thing but back then yeah it was straight up over the fire now i would prefer roasted over boiled absolutely i would too gross (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I had something else, but... but but and it's also got what is it? You're supposed to kind of keep everything intact. What, what was that? Um, with its head, uh, eat it raw or boil. Okay, do not eat it raw no, or boiled. Yeah, that'd be but roasted. Its head with its legs and its inner parts. So they're not really tearing it apart and doing a lot of preparation. It's let's go ahead and get this thing cooked. We we got till evening to go ahead and get this thing taken care of and the blood over the doorpost and that sort of thing. I, I'm wondering how I'd have to read in to see how symbolic the leaving it intact was, but I'm thinking once again in the messianic uh, prophecy that no bone would be broken that that might have some sort of... I never thought about I that. I wonder. I wonder. Interesting. Man. So, maybe a spoiler for next week. Yeah, we'll may- look may- into the good question. Or we'll know. forget all about it. We yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that I was trying to see if there's anything... I don't have anything else on that part, but yeah, that would be interesting. Same because night. It, oh, go on, sorry. Oh, I say because there are a lot of obviously like, you know, that you're only supposed to eat the front half of your cow and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. So there's a lot of prep things that they're kind of, I mean, not as worried about here. Right. So. Right. Um, uh, unleavened bread. So you're talking matzah, unleavened bread. Um, that's basically bread made without yeast. Um, it's going to be a quicker method. They don't have time for for the bread to rise. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, they have eaten with bitter herbs, uh, which um, under rabbinic tradition identified different varieties of herbs. Um, uh, people today use horseradish, uh, but it was ultimately a reminder that their lives were, were bitter with hard labor. Uh, that becomes kind of part of the the messianic and, and I think even the tra- traditional um, 
rabbinic um, Passover tradition. Um, I thought this was kind of in- interesting. Um, it says, eat in haste. So it actually says, here's the command to eat in haste. Um, and Bruckner, and, and I, I used a lot of, if you've been following Deuteronomy, I've gone outside of my uh, <laughs> Christopher Wright. Is that Wright what's in over there on the bed over there? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, that's not uh, nope. No. Uh, so um, Bruckner is my one of my Exodus commentaries. And so maybe I'll have to go ahead and list some of those and... And in our website or something like that. Yeah, anyway, we, need to, we need to get better at that. We do, we do. <laughs> so eat in haste um, has a secondary meaning in Hebrew. Eat, eat it with trepida- uh, trepidation. The word of haste, which is a cool Hebrew word that I can't pronounce, means trepidation, hurry, or alarm. Uh, why would the people tremble in trepidation as they ate? Because it is the Lord's Passover. The Lord would literally pass over the houses as they ate and as young men and animals died in Egypt. Uh, the rabbinic interpreters note all of that. Um, he basically says, uh, so I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods. Uh, this was not a celebration. Mm-hmm. This was ultimately the very presence of God is going to come down, um, and many people and animals are going to die because of it. So it's not like they were at this moment celebrating. Now in future, it becomes more of a celebration and a reminder of what God had done. But at this time, it probably was kind of a scary thing when you're thinking about the very presence of God God coming down and passing over, say, your house or and taking out the firstborn of animals and, and, and the Egyptians. Have you, have you ever, um, like, worked on a car, worked on a vehicle or something like that, following, like, maybe a, 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 a Haynes manual or a, a YouTube video or something like that, and you're working with an expensive part that you know that if you screw this up, you can't replace it kind of thing, and you, you end up working on the vehicle thinking, like, all right, you know, I've never done this before, but I got to replace this part. Let's hope that it goes well. And you're hoping you put a, you take off the old part correctly, and you put mm-hmm. the new part on correctly. And there's this whole like, is the car going to start after I do this, or am I going to be out, you know, hundreds of dollars because of my stupidity here, or whatever happens to be? Um, that pales in comparison as to what they're thinking. But you've got to be wondering: Are you, as an Israelite, thinking, okay, did we prep the goat right? Did we put the blood over the door correctly? Is it enough blood? Is it too much blood? Did we get too crazy with it? Um, what about my neighbors? I better check on them, make sure that their doorposts are covered. You know, there's a lot of moving parts here that there's got to be a little bit of a fear as mm-hmm. to how well I did this. And th- I said before, it's kind of more of a somber. It's not a, like you were saying, it's not a celebratory holiday. It says this is the Lord's Passover, which is indicating that this is not ours. It's it's God's work being done here. It's his, I don't want to say holiday because holiday sounds fun, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is his uh, time. It's his practice that's going on here. It belongs to him and you best be doing it correct oh, yeah. kind of thing. Because this isn't an, an I need a new car because I, I screwed it up type thing. This is a, my firstborn is dead because I didn't follow right. to the T um, and being obedient to, to what God had commanded. And I think that they are a people fully aware of what God has been able to do for them because they have seen, as you call them, the, the prior wonders that mm-hmm. have been going on. They've seen the water turn to blood. They've seen the locusts come and go. They've seen the gnats. Um, they've seen the frogs. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, they've been through that, so they definitely know that, hey, wait a minute, you know, something big is happening here, but this one is, like, potentially detrimental to our lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, like you said, I just, 
I don't know. I guess I kind of want to drive home the the reality of what's going on here. Which I thought that was a good analogy too. I, would, I didn't even think about that. That was a like made made a lot of sense. The working on the car and oh yeah, you have that you fear know that yeah because I, I got to do everything just right, and if I touch something wrong or move the wrong part, then uh, or even like this, like you were you ever work on electrical in your house? How many times do you go lock out that breaker box to oh, make absolutely. sure nobody flips that back? Because you don't want to be touching something while you know yeah you want to follow the protocol. You may you might want to make sure your kids aren't home because like yeah, oh, what's this button do? Hey, Dad left this door open. Right, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's that kind of that kind of weightiness even more so to it though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, he got into the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just quote Bruckner again, cause um, I'm not quite sure. I think he just does a good job of, of kind of talking about the, the sign. It says the Hebrew word for sign is the same used for other plagues. The culminating sign was not for the Pharaoh, however, but for the people, for you. Uh, the people received the miracle when they accepted the Lord's offer of grace, protection, and the Lordship by placing the blood on their doorpost. So ultimately talking about this idea of, of being obedient, where, again, they wanted to make sure they were following these because this was an obedience thing. Um, you were trusting God by, by putting the blood around your doorpost. This was not a blood ritual that fended off an angry God. Um, God's grace had provided them with a sign of the Lord's uh, provenient provision of protection in the midst of general judgment in the land. Um, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Um, the Lord is not portrayed as passing over the door, but as protecting the entrance from the slaughtering angel. Uh, the blood on the doorposts uh, can now be seen as purifying the doorway and preparation for the Lord's presence. Um, that actually came from the IVP um, Old Testament commentary that, that we've been looking at. Um, so Passover carries the meaning of protect or shield. Uh, the Lord protected and saved the people. Uh, the people could have rejected God uh, by not having the blood there. And, and for those that did um, and rejected God's grace, that uh, those are the ones that experienced the death of their firstborn. Those that were obedient and did as God had instructed, um, saw God's protection and was ultimately saved by, by the Lamb's blood. So much messianic connection. <laughs> so much. So we got a lot of blood here, a lot of lamb, and a lot of obedience. Um, and if you're making connections in your mind, good. Yes. Um, <laughs> Hopefully they're correct. <laughs> and they have the ability to to both reject or, or accept God's uh, um, God's provision for for grace. Um, oh my gosh! Come on. <laughs> You're telegraphing it for him? I didn't say anything. I didn't know. Okay. So anything else in that section that you can think of? Uh, not without giving away spoilers. Okay. <laughs> no, there's a lot. Um, look, looking from the uh, Old Testament place of blood, uh, touching blood um, will later come into play a lot. And a, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're marked as unclean for having touched blood of an animal, uh, whether the animal is clean or not. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some... Uh, rituals that come later on with like the tabernacle and stuff like that that involve blood and sprinkling blood on yourself to cleanse you. There's a whole lot that goes with blood and there's a lot of regulations that go with it throughout the Bible. Um, and well, we even talked about some of those in Deuteronomy um, where you're not supposed to eat the blood. Right. Um, Have we hit that part yet? 
Well, they will have heard we, it. Yeah, we've talked about it a bunch of times, I think, in Deuteronomy. We talk, it, it's in like that last section of verses in oh, 15 okay. as well. Oh, okay. Well, they will be a partner of this. We got some um, more. But yeah, there's definitely a, a lot that's going with it, but there's this tie between blood being an absolute force of life in one's body um, and becoming a sacred thing not to be taken lightly uh, mm-hmm. that comes into play here. So I'm trying to, once again, I'm skirting the mm-hmm. messianic issues, but there's... There's a lot that goes on with between blood and life, and and didn't they? Uh, I mean, they even used blood, I think, to purify some of the temple, um, either tabernacle or temple items and and altars and that sort of thing. Well, Is that a, correct? There's the, there's the the spraying of. The, it's actually pretty gross if you really sit down and read through some of the uh, the sacrificial laws and how it goes. Like, imagine being sprayed with like the blood of some animal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sprinkled or baptized with the blood, depending on what the translation reads out. I mean, when we think, uh, depending on your background, baptism could be sprinkling a baby or it could be uh, completely bathing something in blood, and they mm-hmm. are going to baptize the priests in blood. And he'll, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll get into more and more, once again, without going too much either into the messianic or too much into what we'll talk about. And even some of the covenant rituals involved blood as well, Correct. Oh, With the slaughtering of the animals and the... Well, I mean, there's your whole sacrificial yeah. piece. Pieces. That, okay. It's definitely... I mean, like, even the way the blood was drained was important. Mm-hmm. What the blood was drained into. There's tons. I'm trying... See, we're not doing the Leviticus podcast. Yeah, I know. So I'm not as completely studied <laughs> up. I'm not either. I'm just kind of going back from... I still remember just the first time that I studied, like, uh, I mean, the way blood was used. And if you think... If you've ever been around a lot of blood and, you know, God willing, you haven't been around somebody who's bled a lot, even the smell of blood is nausea inducing. Mm-hmm. Like if you've had a lot or you've been around somebody who's been bleeding a lot or something like that, it's very, very uh, interesting to think that somebody's going to be sprayed with or, you know, you're going to drain it in a certain way. It's it's a it's a serious thing. And I guess that's like what I'm trying to hit at overall is like what they're doing with the blood here. Um, wiping on the door frame. It's a very serious issue that's going on here. I mean, you're you're like, oh, it's a little lamb. How much blood can it have? Well, it's actually going to hold a lot, and you're going to put on your doorpost. And what's going to be interesting is after they leave, um, you know, the Egyptians are going to see their encampment. They're going to see their homes, and they're going to see the blood still on the doorposts. I mean, it's going to be a, a grim reminder of what happened there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, a, a forensic nightmare <laughs> in some way. You're going to see a lot of leftover sacrificial things that have happened. I don't, I, I'd have to, once again, probably go a little bit more in my old school Leviticus to bring some of that stuff up and restudy it. It's been a few years. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right there with you. But just one. just think of the gravitas of like what is, the gravity of like what is going on with the blood here is basically what I'm trying to say. 16 sentences to say, it's not like you pricked your finger. Right. It, it's a massive amount of blood and it's, very important to what's happening here. <laughs> it, it, God is using a very uh, macabre thing, situation, mm-hmm. scene to, uh, you know, demonstrate his grace. Right. So, must not get messianic. That's our it's motto. It's a hard part right I know, it's like, because <laughs> when the blood of the lamb is spilled, oh yes, <laughs> it, it 
seals them from God's wrath. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you're going the direction that uh, you're just blaming me for doing it. Well, let's go to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and you're like, wait, I thought this was Passover. Well, most of the time throughout Scripture, and even um, Deuteronomy 16, which, which we're kind of connecting this with, um, they usually combine both Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread together. Um, they are kind of seen as two different holidays or festivals, and yet kind of not. Um, so they're usually tied and brought together. So we're going to kind of 12, 14 through 20, we're going to go ahead and address that. Then we're going to skip part of um, chapter 12 and go on to 13 as we kind of finish it off. Um, so this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, the day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast of, to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute uh, forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you, sh you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. And for, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on the very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. And the first month from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is, uh, what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leaven, and all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Boom. So, <laughs> um, so the Feast of Unleavened Bread, I think it's pretty straightforward, kind of the, the ceremony that's going on. Um, festival day one, which Passover festival, um, lots of days with no leaven, and then another another gathering or celebration. And once again, no leavened bread. Um, anything huge that, that you kind of took out of that? Uh, cutting off people from the community wasn't like a simple ostracizing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times if you're unclean, uh, for whatever reason, there was a purification that could allow you to come back in. So if you touched an unclean animal, you touched that which was dead, um, there's a way to rejoin. So a lot of times you'd have to stay out of the camp until you pass the purification ritual. Um, or sometimes it would just be a time thing uh, that would allow you to come back and rejoin the community. However, in this situation, it follows some of the more serious offenses. So um, you, you know, like, uh, <laughs> we've, we were kind of joking about it before, but not being circumcised, mm -hmm. um, uh, committing incest, uh, some more of the serious weighty sins, uh, would have you put outside of the camp and there really wasn't a way to come back in. And a lot of times in these more serious sins like murder, incest, um, uh, abuse and things like that, uh, it often would lead to that person's premature death. Mm. So the seriousness of eating leaven during this time was also insanely weighty. Like it was such a huge ordeal. It wasn't like, oh man, I, I ate this bread and it had leaven in it, or man, I, I cheated on my uh, fast here and had a donut. You know, it wasn't a, a little, well, oh, Grace will cover it. You know, it mm -hmm. was a very serious, like, 
no, 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 you're outside the, the community now. And I, it doesn't really show here. I'd have to check some of the laws again and kind of study back up on them, but it doesn't show a path back in. So I think that there was always kind of that proverbial scarlet letter hanging over your head that, hey, that's the guy that screwed up Passover last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he not screwed up Passover, but, you know, he screwed up the feast of, uh, well, same thing, but he screwed up at the feast and he ate leaven. You know, it was a ver- taken very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, to the point where the community was most likely looking out for each other to make sure that there was no leaven in their bread and bread products. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so if you're unaware, leaven is basically what makes dough rise. Um, it was the yeast that would allow the dough to rise. And part of the reason they were not supposed to have leavened bread is because they did not, once again, have the time to sit around and wait for it to rise because they had to get ready to leave Egypt quickly. Right. Um, so they were told to observe this uh, going forward in a manner of remembering that haste in which they left. Absolutely. So my big thing is it was a pretty serious, once again, very serious take on what was going on. And I think in the New Testament, they even used leaven as, as being synonymous with sin, and they, they kind of use an analogy as well to describe um, how quickly leaven can, uh, can, can spread. Yeah, and, and it, it, a little bit of leaven and a loaf of bread is enough to make it rise. The same way a little bit of sin rooted in your life is a way to lead you down to you know, a, a sinful lifestyle, a, a rebellious life. Absolutely. Um, this was I'm trying to think. So why did they celebrate? Uh, this was a reminder, um, a reminder of, of the day that, um, God brought them out of uh, the land of Egypt. So it says, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. So therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generation. So, um, he even explains the purpose and the reason for their celebration of the, the feast of unleavened bread. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else. Basically, participation shapes the life of the people. Um, it is not an optional festival. Um, and so... And remember, once again, it's the Lord's Festival. Yeah, So absolutely. So that's kind of what we what we kind of currently have there. Um, anything else at the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread? No, I think that's probably the majority of it, just how serious it was. I, and I guess like I'd, I could get on a soapbox, and I won't... I'll put one foot on it. Uh, a lot of times when we are... Uh, fasting, praying, or celebrating, or participating in, in the sacraments, so uh, baptism and communion. Um, there's a lot of discussion over, uh, you know, what that's like, when that should happen. But I think regardless of where you're at, if you are participating in the sacraments or the celebrations and things like that, you've got to remember that there is a seriousness to it, and we're too quick, you know, to to violate that. So communion can become a tradition. You just go to church and you take communion because that's either if you're like our church, we do it weekly. If you're like some church, they might do it monthly or at certain times. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, this is where they pass out the little bread and the little cup and we drink and we eat and we're done. Um, but in reality, it's it's a serious, weighty thing where you're not supposed to take it in an unworthy manner, so on and so forth. So there's that tie once again that we shouldn't be flipping about worshiping God. Mm-hmm. We should be taking that serious and I'm not trying to say, you know, you're going to become the somber, frozen, chosen who never experiences a, a bit of joy in their lives. That's not the point here. The point is, like, when we are partaking in Christ and what's going on, there's a seriousness and a weightiness about it over what happened, over his sacrifice, the same way, 
you know, God is over their Passover and there's a seriousness and a weightiness to it. Right. So once again, I, I can't stress that enough. I just feel that, you know, just think about it. When you're taking communion next time at church, really think about, you know, your heart before the Lord before you do it. it we're too quick nowadays to not understand the seriousness of God's law and mm-hmm. the seriousness of uh, God's commands. Or to think through our the, our practices of worship, and which you mm-hmm. kind of describe. But I mean, even in the songs that we sing, many oh, times, yeah. Trying not I, to get on the <laughs> so uh, sorry, I didn't mean to go there. But um, but even in our songs, I mean, sometimes for me, I, I have to stop singing because I'm like, well, wait, I, I don't know if if I agree with that, or and so really thinking through even even what we sing to God and what we pray. Uh, many times we don't take those things seriously, right. and and especially in the Old Testament, and I think throughout Scripture, uh, I think that there is that need to go ahead and, and take God's it, commands seriously. Is it? I don't want to tangent. Is it Ephesians? Salvation is the Lord's. Um. Oh gosh. I, those New Testament books—they're all the same. I know. No. Um. But I mean, we got to think. Even our salvation is God's salvation. He grants it to us and there's a seriousness about it because it's coming from him mm-hmm. it's an amazing gift that we receive um so yeah i i don't want to all right i'll step down <laughs> we got a little bit more to all go right. and i gotta watch that time okay <laughs> all right so we got uh 21 through 27 this is the the final preparations um however this is in real time so this is the final preparations right before god does his thing uh, 21 through 27. Then Moses, or 28, I'm sorry. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to their your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of, the ho- of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt, and when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And this is huge. Then the people of Israel went and did so. So the Lord had command, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Um, yes. Yeah. So what do you got? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's. Well, I like how you said this is like real time. Like they. They did, and we see this a, a lot of times when the Lord's commands or the Lord's laws are written, or sorry, are read back over the people or st- restated back over the people, like in um, uh, Nehemiah uh, when Ezra reads the law, in um, Kings when the oh gosh, which king, the young king, uh, rediscovers the was it the young king uh, rediscovers the scrolls and reads the law for the first time. The people had the same reaction. Yeah, they bowed their heads. They would either mourn or they would weep. They would repent. Um, they would worship, and they would realize the the gravity of the situation again. The the um, reality of the relationship of being with 
uh, or being God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the same, the same thing here. They, they realize what's going to happen and they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Like mm-hmm. they immediately went into a posture of, uh, worship. Yeah. And they were obedient, which is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> More so than just the the posture, they were obedient. Yeah. Right, and it said just as, so then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Um, so I think they they very much followed the exact instructions as as as, as God had commanded it, um, and with that obedience, we'll, we'll see actually moving into twenty nine. And when I say we'll see, I, I lied. Um, we'll yeah. give you homework to go ahead and read that on your own. Um, but we'll see that that uh, through their obedience, God did pass over, um, did pass over them, and only took out those that were not obedient. Um, trying to think, I, I think uh, just a quick point mm-hmm. there: obedience is a key component of our uh, lives as Christians. It is mm-hmm. just as it was a key component to um, the lives of the Israelites as God's people. Um, if you want to draw the connection, read James. There's a whole bunch of stuff about obedience in there, and we're like, well, we're not works-based. Yeah, but we're obedience-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, go through. James is a short book, five chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm biased because I just preached on some of it. <laughs> but there's a lot of obedience in James, uh, and obedience is pleasing to the Lord. Those who love him obey his commands. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a sign of being his mm-hmm. and it's a sign of worship and it's a sign of loving him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I don't think um, although we're not works based, it is that idea that your life is going to look different. Um, a faith without deeds is if your life is not reflectant of, of obedience to God, then can you really say that, that you're a believer? Can you really say that that you that you're one of God's people if, if your if your life does not reflect obedience to, to God. Um, and yeah, I mean even through Deuteron- Deuteronomy, if you've been following us, man, obedience, obedience, yeah. obedience. I mean, how many times have we preached that? Every chapter, a couple times? Pretty much. <laughs> Those who love me, obey. When you were going to the new land, obey. When you Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then lest you forget. And every time yeah, remember, that's right. the other one. <laughs> Which remember and lest you forget actually comes right back to here. We're talking really Passover out of Egypt type of stuff when, when he's saying, lest you forget, this is what they are to remember, and this is what they are to not forget, that this is the God that brought them out of Egypt. Um, and in fact, when, when you get into verse 26 and 27, you know, when your children say to you, what, what do you mean by this service? Well, it's, it's important for the current and future generations to ultimately remember why it is that they're celebrating this Passover. Why, mm-hmm. why was this here? And, and, and it's powerful for future generations um, as they continue to protect the community of God and make sure that they are remembering the, the God that brought them out of Egypt. All right. Good. <laughs> so, um, verse twenty nine through um, forty two, we're not going to read. Um, this is actually the the event as it's happening. Um, this is actually the Passover event. They they are the firstborn is is being killed for those that are not obedient. Uh, Pharaoh's son dies. He finally lets them go for now, and so they are now getting ready to to leave. Um, he finishes off uh, some of the institution of Passover with who it is that can celebrate. So I'm going to read 
verse 43 through 51 um, of chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute for the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is brought for your money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of, e- out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So um, who is to participate? Uh, no foreigner um, shall eat of it. Uh, who is a foreigner? Uh, refers to basically uh, someone that worships other gods who might be doing business in the community, uh, maybe a temporary resident, uh, someone who's visiting but um, is not making their home as, as part of the believing community, uh, maybe a hired worker, um, say, such as a bond servant or mm-hmm. um, a hired worker that is just looking for, for work during the time. Uh, they are not to partake in it. Um, However, um, an alien uh, that they are talking about here being not from Mars ultimately is someone that, that may have joined their community that, that is willing to be part of their community. Um, is an alien living among you? Uh, basically, uh, these were not excluded, uh, but that means that they and those that are in their household uh, must be circumcised. Uh, those are the ones that the ones that say that they have become part of the community and are willing to obey God's commands and show that through circumcision, we're allowed to participate in this Passover Seder. Or yeah, th- this wasn't a, a racist command mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. Uh, the idea being here, and we see this uh, play out in our current communities as well in the New Testament church. Um, y- you would not partake in the Lord's Supper or communion uh, if you were not one of God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could equate circumcision to baptism here. Um, you know, those who are not baptized are, you know, not supposed to take the Lord's Supper. You kind of have that same provision. Those who haven't professed Jesus as Lord should not be partaking um, in the Lord's Supper. It makes no sense. The same way an outsider should not be partaking in Passover here. Mm-hmm. And once again, that goes back to that weightiness of the situation. It's Passover wasn't just a dinner celebration for everybody and their, their brother to come join them. The same way in the New Testament that, you know, communion is not just a, a snack at church for everybody to come and be a part of. Right. Without getting too much in the messianic part. Right, right. <laughs> and we'll get it a little bit, yeah. So pay attention on, on the other part uh, as we kind of move forward. Um, anything else we need to hit there? No, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. There's, there's a provision for outsiders who have made themselves part of the community to join in. It's uh, rather painful. Uh, yes. One as an adult, uh, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were studying Acts in our, our uh, Sunday school this week, and it was either Acts 10 or 11, and my translation was those that were part of the circumcision party oh, yeah. and uh, other people had different translations. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go to a circumcision party. Yeah. That sounds painful. Everybody get together. <laughs> we got some instruments we're going to pull out here. And uh, anyway, yeah. Right, anyway, so, so, um, so let's get into 13. Um, 
I'm going to take 13 through um, 1 through 16. Actually, I lied. 1 through 10, and then 11 through 16. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, so we're back into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No unleavened bread shall be eaten today in the month of Abib. You are, go- or you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You shall keep this service in the month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leaven bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall be to you as a sign to your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a strong hand and for the strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt you shall therefore keep this statute as its appointed time for from year to year um, I don't know. I think we're probably running close to our time, so I'm not going to go. You know, I muted it just in case the music came up, so we can always readjust it after oh, okay. the fact. So, okay. this just might be a little longer than normal, but okay, cool. whatever. This is right. what I'll make the one exception. All right, yeah, because <laughs> usually you're like, music's going to play, music's going to play. Well, but, so for those of you that don't normally listen, I have a rule that our podcast has to be over a half hour, but it should never be over an hour long. Mm-hmm. This one, on the other hand, since it's a special edition, <laughs> I'm throwing those rules out the window. So, oh, so, so we in can future if it goes for an hour and a minute, that's a special edition then. Well, I, so anyway, let's get, <laughs> so this doesn't end up three okay. hours long, right? Um, yeah, still trying to be concise, but I still okay. don't want to like. So, so really, he just repeats some of the things that, that were repeated in chapter 12. Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt. Eat nothing containing yeast. On the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Um, unleavened bread, nothing with yeast. And so all of these things really were already stated in mm-hmm. chapter 12. Um, yeah. And we see... Yeah, once again, we see that foreshadowing of God's promise. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you into a blessing. But hey, when you're in that blessing, so that you don't get complacent, so that you don't fall into rebellious, sinful ways, I want you to sit down and still remember. Right. So there's that future promise that comes out of this, and there's also that we talk about in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. remember when that comes out of this. Yep. So. Um, the next, the last part that we're going to talk about today is chapter 13, 11 through 16. And this is going to discuss lamb and redemption. Um, if those two words don't connect messianic to you, then we'll go ahead and, and you can listen to next week's podcast. And here comes the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say next week. I'm not sure of the timing of these yet. Okay. So, <laughs> so next. So in the messianic future, part of this right. podcast. Yeah. Um, in a future podcast. We're recording it. In a certain, anyway. Right. Anyway, so when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come... 
uh, and when in time to come your sons ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hands, hand or frontlets, between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Woo! So, um, <clears throat> one thing that I'd like to bring up before we get into too much lamb and redemption and that sort of thing, and, and we'll see how far we get into it this time, but the thing that is brought up really through each one of these sections and many times throughout Exodus 12 is 13 is, is basically when your kids ask you, why are we doing this? And, and then he usually instructs them to say, you know, tell the story, you know, he, he, here's the story, God brought you out of Egypt, etc. But I think that shows something very important and very powerful to, to God's people continuing to serve and worship God appropriately is that act of teaching your kids, uh, where if we continue to, to teach our kids and, and to answer those questions and encourage them to, to ask why it is that we do the things that we do, whether we're Christians or, or yeah, Christians um, or Jews who, who continue to practice this, it's important to continue to um, remember um, and ask why it is that we do these things. Uh, because these are not just empty traditions that, that God set up and said, hey, follow them. Mm -hmm. There's a very specific, powerful purpose in beginning to and continuing to remember the, the God that brought you out of Egypt and the God that continues to, to be with them wherever they are in history. And you'll see many times in, in the Old Testament, it comes back to this Passover being when God brought them out of Egypt, remembering, and re the part of remembering is to know that God will continue to protect and, and rule over his people. Well said. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's... Um it's a matter of once again taking your entire life seriously as uh, we strive, hopefully are striving to please God in what we do and also trying to pass that uh, blessing, that grace, that mercy, that story, that redemptive history down to each additional mm -hmm. uh, family member. <clears throat> I think that it, it, there's a lot of weight, there's a lot of weightiness. Once again, it just goes around. Like I said, that could kind of be the motto of this, uh, this particular one. Um, so yeah, well said, um, regarding Passover lamb, the Passover lamb was the agent of redemption. Um, hold, you're hold treading, your <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm um, it basically redeem with a lamb means ransom or to buy back the firstborn from death. Mm -hmm. Um, basically, uh, the, the, I think it's Bruckner. Shoot, I didn't label this one. The last details... Somebody said. <laughs> somebody uh, said the last details concern redeeming the firstborn rather than sacrificing them. The Lord did not desire their death. Uh, as from the outset, God provided for their redemption. As with the first Passover, a lamb was the agent of redemption. Redeem with a lamb means ransom or buy back the firstborn from death. Uh, he did not want to see the firstborn die. Um, and so the lamb becomes that, that agent of redemption. 
That's if not, break m- your donkey's neck. <laughs> uh, I there's a few interesting points there. One, if you're thinking of um, the triumphal entry, uh, the lamb on a donkey, it, it's very interesting there. Um, a donkey was also a beast of burden, a beast of work, uh, stuff like that. But it was not the uh, how'd you put it? The redemptive. It was. Would you call the lamb? Uh, the agent of redemption. It, w- it was even though it was the working, the hard working one. It was not the agent of redemption, mm-hmm. which is it, it was more of the pa- the more passive animal in this right. case. That was the agent of redemption. So it shows that once again the line potentially between works works and uh, grace. Mm-hmm. A very just some interesting notes that you can really start to draw a lot of conclusions on. Um, and then of course, uh, as you were saying, there. Are, Man, so hard to, <laughs> so hard to, to go around this. There. Yeah, but yeah, uh, just once again, hopefully you're drawing connections in your head mm-hmm. uh, between the lamb and his redemptive uh, acts. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll, we'll and in in the next podcast or the podcast that comes out in the future, sometimes when the messianic part of this is brought out, hopefully we can bring some of those New Testament Jesus parallels. If you have not already seen it, or maybe. It's one of those that it, that I hope, I hope it's clicking for you. I hope yeah. the second podcast is like, yeah, I got that. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. You know, I hope that's what's going yeah. through your head when and, you're listening. And and I think it's important for you know for people to to ask those questions. And it's when it's when people ask questions that, that you begin to learn. And uh, Sarah, Sarah, my wife always makes fun of me because I don't take any small study because then I start asking questions and then I ask more <laughs> questions and then I get divided and go in all kinds of different directions. But, but it's those questions that, that teach me a lot about Scripture, a lot about who God is. And so hopefully you can begin to, to see some of those big words that you always hear in church, mm-hmm. like redemption and firstborn and, and, and those things, and begin to go, oh, wait a second. Or when your um, pastor says something on Easter about the Passover lamb or something, yeah. you know, suddenly you make, oh, I do remember the, the Passover lamb was you know, this pure, spotless, unblemished animal that was sacrificed to redeem mm-hmm. and protect and take the place of the firstborn's death. Yep. And and it fits very well in the New Testament, but if you've been following along with Deuteronomy, you can see why God continues to go back to this saving his people um, from Egypt and why it becomes, why it's so central and important to their remembering and to who they are as God's people, mm-hmm. which comes back to Christianity and central to Jesus becomes central to who we are as, as God's people. Yeah, we, we need to remember, and we, we've said it many times before, uh, the Old Testament did not exist in a vacuum. Um, it was not a entirely separate history, or it, it didn't lose its meaning uh, throughout history. It's, a, it's just as important to understand that and to see um, you know, a lot of cases, the precursor to our redemption. So, absolutely, absolutely. Without going too crazy into that. All right. <laughs> so, stay tuned for yeah um, Passover, the Messianic version, uh, and then as we start tying all these festivals into Deuteronomy, which has been the study that we've been going through for what year and a half now. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, once again, not to give anything away, but I posted our. Th- 30th episode. Whoa. So if we do bi-weekly 26, 
So okay. I posted 30 at the time this was recorded. Okay. By the time they hear this, we'll definitely have a, a year and a half in. Okay. Wow. So uh, thanks for hanging with us. I know this is kind of a little bit longer. It's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but we really wanted to take some time to spell out a little bit more of like what the festivals were. We didn't, we wanted to kind of dive in a little deep. So you maybe paint some more pictures mm-hmm. um, and kind of explain things a little bit deeper. And uh, as always, if you have any questions, uh, Bakesh at outlook.com. Um, you can also leave comments at bakesh.podbean.com mm-hmm. where we host our stuff. And we have a Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Bakesh pod. I think that's everything right. um, that we have right now. And uh, we always love to hear from you. I, I got an email from, remember the, I told you about the pastor. That, oh, yeah. Uh, he sent me another email. He's like, I still laugh when I hear that you guys, uh, you know, don't hear from your readers. Because <laughs> uh, we were just a little behind the ball on that one. Right. <laughs> um, but I know I've talked to a few people in my church that have been listening. Uh, one's emailed us and she's, she's said, uh, you know, we've been helping. So we hope that we're helping you the same way. Uh, yeah. Really paint those pictures and draw those connections and... Uh, we we read the smart people so that we can uh, talk about it with each other, and hopefully, as we're hammering it out, it's helping you. Right, and that's that's where we got started. Is we both like talking about scripture, and like, hey, how about we record ourselves? Yeah, and <laughs> go for it. So it, it's kind of a fun thing for us. Uh, but our heart was to have fun with it, but at the same time, hope that other people can get an excitement for the New Testament or for the Old Testament uh, and all of Scripture, just like we do. And um, hopefully, you get that. And, and uh, if you have suggestions on how we can improve, please do that. And, and thank you for your patience today as we tried something a little bit different and, and a little bit longer. Yeah. And next time, um, be sure to listen to the Messianic part. We try to stick to mostly the Old Testament on the surface. Mm-hmm. And next time, we're going to do a a deeper dive uh, into how it relates to the New Testament. So once again, thanks for listening and, uh, you know, until next time. Adios. Bye.